On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we preview the Kansas Seton Hall game happening Thursday at 8 in Allen Fieldhouse. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and uh, subscribe to us there. You can also hear me on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, at KWN in Lawrence. And on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to preview the Kansas-Seton Hall matchup happening on Thursday night in Allen Fieldhouse, 8 o'clock tip-off, 6.30 pregame on KLWN and 105.9 KISS. Seton Hall is a team that is ranked in the 50s on Ken Palm. This is a solid team, kind of like a fringe NCAA tournament team. If they beat Kansas, then we're going to be talking about them more as an NCAA tournament team. They have a new head coach, though. Shaheen Holloway takes over after Kevin Willard left the program for Maryland. Certainly we remember the Seton Hall game in the second round of the 2018 NCAA tournament where Angel Delgado went for like 20 and 20. And one of the Seton Hall players, I don't remember who, uh, Kadeen Carrington maybe just like went off at the end of the game, made like every three, but Kansas kind of skated by and ended up winning the game to advance the sweet 16 before they eventually went to the final four. But Sheen Holloway takes over. He was previously the head coach. Obviously a lot of people would remember him at St. Peter's last year when he helped St. Peter's engineer a run to the elite eight. And what they were known for at St. Peter's was the defense. It was a team that I remember coming into the tournament, like Kentucky was, playing uh, St. Peter's in the first round. And there was talk, I think St. Peter's was the highest rated Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency team to ever have like a 15 or 16 seed in tournament history. But it was like, ah, okay, but the offense, is it that good? And even though it's a really good defense for a 15 seed, like it's Kentucky, like they're going to beat them. And that ended up mattering. Uh, They made it all the way through. That's kind of carried over to what he's done at Seton Hall, maybe along with some of the player personnel. They are a top 35 defense right now. The offense has struggled, to kind of say the least. It's interesting for this matchup with Kansas, though, because Kansas could be a little shorthanded. We heard from Bill Self on Tuesday night at Hawk Talk some of the injury updates. We heard that uh, Kyle Cuff going to probably be out through the end of January. We heard that Cam Martin could be nearing a return that he's probably out for this one could be out for the Missouri game. That one sounds questionable, but then probably would be back for Indiana as long as the progress goes on. And that one's certainly maybe the most interesting of the injury notes right now, because with nobody really taking down the the center position of who the guy is going to be at the, the five spot, Kim Martin could certainly find a very sizable role for this year's team. If he can, you know, come back healthy and, and look like the guy that we think he is and can provide a scoring punch that some of the other centers might not really be able to do right now. He's obviously the most experienced of the guys in terms of college play, and he's tied for the most experience just in terms of being around the program and in Lawrence at Kansas. We heard about Kevin McCuller that he suffered a groin injury at the beginning of the Tennessee game and that he um kind of willed his way through it. He missed the game against Texas Southern. Sounds like he's he's kind of doubtful for the game against Seton Hall, so I'm not really expecting him to play, but it didn't sound like they were completely ruling it out, but did sound like they're hoping to have him back for Missouri. And then with Bobby Pettiford, sounds like he'll be out a few more weeks, even in addition to what he's already missed. So probably missing the Missouri game, probably missing the Seton Hall game, 
maybe missing the Indiana game. We'll wait and see on that, but probably back for conference play. Point is, you have nine scholarship players for the game tonight against Seton Hall, and four of them are centers with K.J. Adams, Zach Clements, Ernest Duday, and Zuby Adjifer. Doesn't give you a lot of lineup versatility and flexibility of what you want to do, and that also means that you're going to have a lot of lineups out there where K.J. Adams is on the floor either at the five or next to another five, and there's going to be some lineups out there where Kansas offensively isn't going to have one of their more pristine offensive units is a way of putting it. So you have a Seton Hall defense who has been really good this season in a lot of different areas could be kind of an ugly game from the Kansas offense, but Seton Hall overall, they're four and three. They have wins over Monmouth, St. Peter's Wagner, and then Memphis, who is their best win. That's a top 30 Memphis squad. According to Ken Palm, the losses are to Iowa. Who's like a top 20, 25 team in the country, Oklahoma by double digits. That's a team in the big 12. They're like a top 35 team on Ken Palm. And then their one kind of head-scratching loss. They lost to Siena, who's nearing like a sub-200 team on Ken Palm. Not a very good loss there. They do actually play at kind of a fast pace offensively. I always like that for Kansas. It always scares me sometimes when you play slower-paced teams, like a team like Wisconsin that's going to limit your transition looks for a team like Kansas who might struggle in the half court, especially with some of those injuries and being down in players and some of the lineups they might have to throw out there in this game, you want to get out and transition as much as possible. You're going to have some of those opportunities against Seton Hall. Big part of that, though, you're going to have to rebound the basketball, which we'll get to that in a second here. Seton Hall offensively has, as I said, struggled. They are 260th in the country in two-point rate. They don't take a ton of threes, but they actually shoot pretty well on them. They're above average in three-point shooting percentage, even though they don't shoot a ton of them. And they're one of the worst teams at getting their shots blocked, so they give up a lot of blocks, which Kansas has been good at that. A lot of those numbers, though, have been carried from the Duke game. And they've turned the ball over a good amount of time, which gives Kansas opportunities both in terms of the shot blocks and the, the turnovers forced to really get out and transition and get some easy buckets. Certainly not having Kevin McCuller to force some of those turnovers hurts you a bit in this category, but Dewan Harris still being there and some of the other disruptors they have defensively, you're going to have an opportunity to do just that. Here's a bit of a problem, though. For Seton Hall, they have basically two saving graces on offense right now. They get to the foul line a lot, which is problematic, back to the idea that Kansas is going to be a bit shorthanded. They're going to only have nine scholarship guys if Kevin McCuller can't go. If McCuller does go, that changes things a, a good amount, but still, you'd be a bit shorthanded. And if you get foul trouble against a team who, like it's one thing, if they get foul trouble against the centers, it's almost like, okay, whatever. There, there's not much separation between those guys right now. But if you get foul trouble for one of the guards, because without Bobby Pettiford and Kevin McCuller, Joe Yesfu gets put into the starting lineup, your really only backup guard slash wing is MJ Rice. And if you get foul trouble to Dewan or Joe Yesifu, then who is your backup point guard? Like you had Dewan, Bobby Pettiford, Joe Yesifu, Kevin McCuller, all four guys you could play at the point with McCuller and, and Yesifu. It was more of, yeah, if you really had to, or like in the Tennessee game, I don't know who the backup would be in that situation. So you want to avoid foul trouble. Seton Hall has done a good job at getting to the free throw line. That's a bit scary, but here's the, the, maybe big problem for Kansas in this game. Seton Hall has been really good at offensive rebounding this year. That's been an issue for Kansas all season long. We just had our breakdown of how Kansas has done against opposing bigs and how they've given up a lot of those rebounds above their maybe season average. 
Kansas needs to do a better job on the glass in this game. And it's going to be tough because that is one of Seton Hall's strengths headed in on offense. And that would limit your transition tries too, which would make it even harder because then you're having to score in the half court against a good defense. And that defense for Seton Hall, they do a good job of limiting three-pointers, both in terms of attempts and percentage. Now, the percentage could just be an early season, small sample size, bit of luck headed their way. But the fact that they do limit the amount of attempts you get tells me that they do put an emphasis on defending the three-point line. And certainly, even though there is a bit of luck to your three-point defense, contested threes are going to go in less often than uncontested threes. So they seem to do a good job on three-point defense. They've been good at preventing easy shots down low. They force a good amount of turnovers. They get steals at a good rate this season, so you have to take care of the ball. But it's kind of funny because really the only thing hurting the Seton Hall defense right now is kind of the opposite of the offense. Like Whereas the offense has struggled in a lot of ways, but they get to the line a lot and they get offensive rebounds, the defense has done well in a lot of those other categories, but they have fouled a lot and they have given up a lot of offensive rebounds. So that's certainly interesting for some of the, the different matchups that Kansas could have in this game. We're going to get on to uh, some of those matchups of the game here in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those two at BetOnline as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. We're going to have our BetOnline segment of the week coming up to finish the show off take a look at some of the different lines but you can bet on all sorts of stuff from the world cup to nfl with the chiefs on sunday to ku whenever their bowl game is going to be posted and they'll have the line on that to the seton hall game to any college basketball they got everything on bet online from game stuff to futures as well bet online where the game starts kansas taking on seton hall on eight o'clock on uh Thursday night in Allen Fieldhouse. Here's the matchups of the game for me. So the first, I got Kansas versus the free throw line. Not really a matchup of Kansas against Seton Hall, but as I mentioned with the Seton Hall defense, they put teams on the free throw line. They've been one of the bottom 100 teams in the country, which I guess that doesn't sound like horrible if there's, oh, there's still 90 teams worse than you, but like there's 360 teams in Division I college basketball and you're a power five school, if you're in the bottom 100, that means you're ranking like 250 or lower. That, that's not good, right? So they've put a lot of teams to the free throw line this season. That means Kansas is going to have opportunities at the free throw line. Kansas has really been bad on free throws this season. They rank in the 300s right now in free throw percentage at just 62.3%. If the free throw rate ended where it was right now for Kansas, it would be their lowest free throw percentage by a Bill Self coach team by far like his next lowest was 67 percent on free throws and that was the Udoka Azubuki senior year where teams were like hackadoking on him and he was only shooting like 40 percent that team still shot five percent better on free throws than this team is shooting right now they have to get better in this area especially for a team that does at time wane for points in the half court have to take advantage of opportunities at the free throw line so can they do better against a team that could put them there a good amount of time on Thursday night. How about KJ Adams on the offensive glass as a, I guess, versus the offensive glass? Can you really be uh, against the offensive glass? Nonetheless, this is a, a key point of the game. Seton Hall ranks 212th 
in the country in defensive rebounding rate. They give up a lot of offensive rebounds. KJ Adams has been great at getting offensive rebounds this year. Now, the defensive rebounding, not been so hot. Uh, I think he only has like an 8% defensive rebounding rate, which is a bit problematic for your starting five. But the offensive rebounding has been great. He's at over 11% this season, which that's a really good mark for him to have. Seton Hall, team that gives up offensive rebounds. I would imagine KJ Adams is going to end up with multiple three, four offensive rebounds in a game like this. He had eight in, uh, I think it was eight, maybe it was nine in the season opener. I wouldn't imagine it'll be like that high, but I'm expecting like if he plays 20 plus minutes in this game, three, four, five offensive rebounds from KJ to get you extra possessions. Ernest Uday has been actually uh, good on the offensive glass as well. He's up right around KJ Adams market about 11 and a half percent too. And then I was Zuby Edgefer's mark of rebounding is insane. He's at like a 24% offensive rebounding rate which means one in every four misses from kansas he's getting the offensive rebound that's that's unsustainable and it's a tiny sample size but it shows how great he has been early on in the glass point is all three of those guys have done a great job getting offensive rebounds for kansas which means you should be able to exploit that and get a good amount against seton hall but kj adams is the one that i really wanted to kind of highlight because he's going to be I would imagine playing the most. He's the one that has the highest floor that I feel like, well, yeah, he's going to play 15 to, to 20 plus minutes per game. Whereas the other guys, I don't know, they could play four or five minutes. It's it's kind of impossible to tell right now. Jalen Wilson versus Casey and Defo. So Wilson, obviously, you know, national player of the year candidate, all American, big 12 player of the year candidate, every award you want to talk about candidate for Jalen Wilson with with so far how he started the season had a nice bounce back in the Texas Southern game hit five three-pointers really showing the continued progression of his jump shot which is so important and um you saw just I don't know the confidence for him to take 10 threes in a game albeit a lot of them in transition and, and open and whatnot but that that's different than it was last year right you, you can see the progression there he's just been great overall well Casey and Defo is a switchable wing, can kind of be a big man type for Seton Hall. He transferred over from St. Peter's with Shaheen Holloway. And a guy that was key to St. Peter's run to the Elite Eight, especially because of his defense. He was one of the best defensive players, maybe the best on a team that was really good defensively that carried them to that Elite Eight. He's going to play a little bit on the wing. He's like a 6'7", 205-210-pound forward. Can play a little. Maybe we'll play a handful of minutes, a few minutes on the wing at the three. Could play a handful of minutes at the five as a small ball five. They use him in that regard on occasions, and certainly St. Peter's did last season. But he's mostly going to be a four-man. And I would imagine because of how good he is defensively and that he is playing the four, he's going to match up with Jalen Wilson. It's not that you don't expect Jalen Wilson to have a good game, but if Indefo can hold Jalen Wilson to you know, 14, 15, 16 points on a lot of shots to get there, that could be a win for Seton Hall. But if Jalen can still get 20 points, 20-plus points, and do it on high efficiency, then that's where the win is for Kansas, that you're taking one of their best defenders out of the game and not really letting him have a big impact. The last matchup we have here, defending Tyree Samuel for whatever big man it is for Kansas, double teams, however they decide to do it. He is a six foot 10, 235 pound center. He's averaging 11 points, six and a half rebounds per game. Solid numbers, nothing that blows you off the page. He's shooting over 50% on two point shots. He can stretch it a bit. He's two for three from the outside, strong free throw shooter. It's just anytime you have a center who is adept in some way or another, how can Kansas defend them? But as we talked about, 
check it out or how KU has defended opposing bigs. If you missed that episode, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube, the rebounding has been an issue for Kansas. They've actually defending opposing bigs pretty well so far this season in terms of either limiting their efficiency or allowing less points per game than maybe they would give up normally to what the opposing big men averages, if if that makes sense at all. So those are the different matchups of the game that I'm kind of highlighting and looking out for. And I guess you could also just add in there the lack of KU depth or injuries, however you would want to note it. But if we're looking for players that KU needs to step up, you expect Jalen Wilson to step up. You expect Grady Dick to hit some big shots for you. You expect DeWan Harris to make key plays and get you in the right system. It's one of those two. You need at least one of the two. You had both of them step up in the Texas Southern game with Joe Yesfu and MJ Rice. But you need at least one of them in this game against Seton Hall to probably at least get you 8 to 12 points, double figures. It'd be great if both do it, but you at least are probably going to need one to maybe take the lid off the basket or or give you that little extra push in a game that could be kind of close. In just a second, we're going to get on to our bet online segment of the week to wrap up this episode. First, we're going to take a uh, break on our podcast side. You can also catch us on YouTube. Okay, so Kansas takes on Seton Hall, 8 o'clock in Allen Fieldhouse. You can also hear it on KLWN and 105.9 KISS Radio in Lawrence with pregame at 6.30. And uh, it's a game that the line's not out as of I'm recording this on Wednesday, so I don't have a line just yet. A lot of times the lines for college basketball get posted either late night, the night before, or the morning of. I would imagine if you're just basing it on like Ken Palm, it's going to probably be somewhere between seven to nine, maybe 10 points in what the spread is. And the over-under will probably be in like the mid to high 130s. I think for the spread, I would... If it is like nine or 10 points, I would probably lean Seton Hall because Kansas is shorthanded. But if the spread for this ends up being, I don't know, seven points, that's probably an avoid for me. I just think it's going to kind of be like a, a gross defensive tight matchup that Kansas has to make some plays late in the game to, to make sure they come out on top. And, and maybe it's like a four point game with a minute and a half left. And then Kansas makes a stop and they go to the free throw line with a chance to ice it, and maybe add points. And you're up to, to that to determine if you cover the spread or not. That feels like how the game goes to me and that it's a classic bill self wins a close, ugly game type of game, but I don't feel super comfortable with the spread. As far as that over under don't feel great about that either. If that is the number in the kind of mid thirties or, or mid one thirties, that would give you like a, you know, 70 to 65 type of game. And in a game where KU, again, is shorthanded, Seton Hall plays good defense. Kansas at times can play really good defense. Um, could be kind of an ugly game in terms of free throws and stuff. I'd probably lean over just because that is kind of a low number for two teams that could play at a faster pace offensively at times. But I would probably avoid that one as well. So uh, I guess no bets for me there. But I do love some of the player props. That's what I've been hitting most for Kansas this season. So you can uh, follow me at D Johnson Radio and I'll shoot out whatever I think the best player prop or props for the game are going to be. You can also with bet online, bet on like the Chiefs game on Sunday. You can bet on the World Cup, U.S. moving on, taking on Netherlands. And you can also get in on some of this end of the season college football action. Obviously, Kansas not going this week. Whenever they announce who their bowl game is and then they put up a line, they'll have that at bet online. How about this for the Heisman? Caleb Williams is now minus 3,000 to win the Heisman. 
I mean, just a week ago, he was like plus 150. And just like three weeks ago, two weeks ago, he's plus 600. And then like three or four weeks ago, he was like 12 to one. It, it's crazy how quickly things have turned there. CJ Stroud is is tied for the, the runner up right now, 25 to one, but he can't play this week. That would mean Caleb Williams would have to have like a four interception game and lose to Utah. And then Max Duggan is 25 to one. I guess if you want someone other than Caleb Williams, maybe throw a few on, on Max Duggan just to hope that what I just said happens, like Caleb Williams, three interceptions, USC loses by 10 to Utah. Max Duggan throws for 300, runs for 100 more against K-State. They end up undefeated, and, and maybe he splits some of the votes and finds a way to, to come out on top there. It does feel like it's Caleb Williams' award, though, and that's what the, the betting odds certainly reflect. In terms of some of those conference championship games in the Power Five, Utah is getting three points against USC. K-State's getting two and a half against TCU. LSU is getting 17 and a half against Georgia. North Carolina is getting seven and a half against Clemson. Purdue is tacking on 16 and a half against Michigan. I could see USC getting revenge on, on Utah and blowing them out. I could also see Utah winning, avoiding that. I like K-State to actually upset TCU, but TCU still make the playoff. Uh, so I'm taking Kansas State money line plus 110. No read on the LSU-Georgia game. I kind of lean North Carolina plus 7.5 versus Clemson. And then I'm going with this. Purdue, when they're unranked, playing like a top-five opponent, which they are in the Big Ten title against Michigan, that's when they're they're at their best. But I do think this will be one where Purdue keeps it close at halftime and then Michigan maybe pulls away and weathers the storm. So I'm going to go Purdue first-half bet. I haven't seen the line for that yet, but if they're getting 16.5 for the game, I would imagine at the half it's somewhere around 7, 8, or 9 points. I would take Purdue in the first half and probably not touch the full game spread, even though I would probably lean Michigan for the full game. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Jayhawks. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll recap whatever happens in the Seton Hall matchup for Kansas. If you have anything you'd like for the show to talk about or want to follow along on the action, you can reach out at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're getting all the latest with Locked on Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see you on Rock Truck Sports Talk later today.